0: You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. They bring with you, they connect you, or they surround you with, gra- with grace. Amen. Um, malavin laAdam The mitzvahs are the only thing that follows you into the world. He assumes that you know which medrash he's referring to. Again, he's being short, but we don't need to know the medrash to understand his point. She mm-hmm. mitzvah. Every single mitzvah. laAdam hakol. laHashem Every mitzvah gives you a unique, special aspect to connect to Hashem. What is Ayin Yud? Al There's a lot of Rosh um just uh, uh, some of them are easy, some are hard. So he says, we know about the Isha Yefas Toar, and I, I'm going to have to fill in a lot of blanks because he's short, so um, just don't lose the place. We know when it comes to the captive woman that a soldier sees at war and he takes her to himself and there's a whole process that's described. And our sages tell us the following words, Lo Dibra Torah, Ela Neged Yetzirahara. That the Torah speaks against the Yetzirahara, which is the simple, on a simple level means that Hashem knows that the soldiers are going to take the women anyway. So Hashem said, you know what, let's at least control it and do it in a way which is more appropriate. That's the simple understanding of it. So He says, asks the Negdo, Isn't it in the hands of Hashem to help a person overcome his evil inclination? Or that um, the, Hashem could stop the Yetzirah from seducing the person. Why did the Torah have to permit something that's prohibited? In other words, you're, if, if, there's things Hashem says don't do. Don't worship idols. Now, there was an inclination to worship idols. Hashem says don't do it anyway. There's um, um, uh, adultery. Adultery. There is eating food. which is, There is an inclination to do these prohibitions. And the Torah says, don't do it anyway. And no point did the Torah says, but listen, but if it's too hard, here's, here's the way we're going to do it. Rather, Hashem says, don't do it. And I said, don't do it. Now, what if it's too hard? So you dive into Hashem. Hashem should help you. And if, and if that doesn't work, so you fail. So that's the way it should be. Since when did the Torah start permitting something that's prohibited rather than Hashem? Once Hashem is already going to say, he's already going to permit something that's prohibited, just help the person and take away the inclination, and then they won't need that permission. Maybe it's a case of Hashem to show that woman how Jews do it as opposed to everybody else. We'll focus now on the prohibition. You're still doing a prohibition. Why is the Torah allowing something that's prohibited? I, the, the, the side benefits from it, that's also included. How is this different than say um, slavery or um, uh, polygamy or something like that where, where there's going to be a or Hara for it so it's allowed but it's not. And those are not it. allowed because of Yetzir Hara for it. Nowhere do we find that the Torah only permits slavery because people otherwise would do it anyway. And the same thing with polygamy. We don't find any way that polygamy is, is because of that. The Torah allows for a system of polygamy within a world that uh, polygamy is appropriate and then left it to the Chachamim and this case, of Gershom or Aragola to, to, to define the places where it is and that isn't. But here, we saying that this is a prohibition. But Torah said hey, you won't be able to overcome it. You know what? Why don't you do the prohibition? Choosing Gershom. a king is like that. You're not uh, really supposed to. Choosing a king is is the way that you ask. But you are supposed to have a king. A, a god always plans for there to be a David and a Mashiach. Rak. So listen to this <clears throat> Hasidic Rabbi who's speaking to his people, and this is what he says. <speaking in Hebrew> that actually this is God's plan. Lahatir Davar Shemoshecha Adam to permit something which draws you towards bad. what does nikra Isur. What is the word Isur prohibited, Asur actually means? the holy books tell us it's actually the Tanya the word isur means to bind or to tie. When you have a prohibition it binds you and attaches you to evil. that's what the that's what he's saying. the word isur, means to bind. The person becomes bound and attached. Oh, So one second. So he's saying like this. He's saying that there's something that's prohibited. When you do something bad, what you are doing is you take the evil and you attach it to you. You stick it to you. Or you stick yourself to it. When the Torah permits it, you don't become stuck to it. When he realizes, when he thinks to himself that I would not be marrying this woman if the Torah would not permit it. Listen, this, this is deep. He becomes... Unbound, that he does not become stuck to it through um, and connected to the other side. Meaning that because the Torah permits it, he therefore faces no challenge from the evil inclination and he can therefore overcome it. When something is allowed you don't need to do it. This is an incredible concept, and he's going to elaborate on this, so we're going to give it, uh, um, uh, let me just talk about it on the outside. This is true if you've ever seen someone on Yom Kippur, where they are counting pages, as if the number of pages affects the speed of when... uh, uh, how quickly kipper Kipper's going to end? <laughs> then, then you've got the clock watchers, people, people who are watching the clock. As if, if they stare at the clock, have a long staring contest, it's going to make it go faster. That's because they feel kind of panicked. Some people feel panicked. like they're, they're, They feel like they're about to collapse from thirst and from hunger, like they haven't eaten in days, and they haven't had anything to drink in days, there really is no, unless someone's not in good physical health, there really is no major emergency of going uh, 20, 25 hours without uh, without liquids, unless you're assuming someone's in, in good health, uh, and you're not doing any major physical activity, I mean, on the floor is not that much work. And yet, People are in a panic. And I've seen people who are like ready at the door. Has anyone ever attended a Mariv that follows the Yom Kippur davening? Right? <laughs> everyone wonders why we just had Yom Kippur and then two minutes later we're clapping Selah What avers do I have? You just got rid of all of them. And the answer is because it's only two minutes later. Right? And that should have taken a lot more than two minutes. However, that's not really where we're going. That's something everyone should work on. But then i've seen this i remember in in yeshiva especially young boys like they're in this panic and then when they have the food in front of them all of a sudden they're in no rush and they're having this conversation while the food is sitting there and i'm watching this guy like two minutes ago you were shaking and trembling and now the food is in front of you and you're fine take a bite like i'm feeling your pain that you were feeling an hour ago that you're no longer feeling is it because you're afraid that you're not going to make it through? That somehow, that, that somehow. No, it's because when you can't, when you're stuck, you create this panic inside you because you don't have choices and options. Once you have the control, and this is true, if someone becomes addicted to anything, to any substance, to any mindset, to any state, people who become addicted to something. You have a, a, an, an alcoholic who's, you know, has no access to alcohol for a few days, and they're going through withdrawal, and they're in serious pain, and there's physical manifestations of that, of the withdrawal that they're experiencing. And then you hand them the bottle, and they could drink it at any time. And at that point, that they're holding it, the problem goes away. They now feel okay. All those symptoms are removed. And the reason is because they have the control now. They have the choice. And when you have a choice, I could do it or I don't need to do it. At that point, I'm now in charge and I don't have the same pressure to pursue and to go after. <laughs> so he says, the Torah doesn't want you to do your fast Torah. The Torah does not allow it. But, the Torah picked one mitzvah of something that you're <clears throat> going to do because there's some passion and, 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 uh, and excitement and inspiration within you to do something. And the Torah says, go ahead and do it. And you say, you mean I'm allowed? They say, yeah, yeah, go do it. You see, I me? Mean, I could do it? Really, I could do it? Yeah. Um, or I could not do it. At that point, There's no evil inclination. There's no fire inside the person anymore because there's no connection. There's no Isur. There's no binding to something prohibited. Then the person would end up making a choice and saying, you know what, it's not worth it. The grass isn't always greener on the other side. Why not do that with everything? So we'll see. The the Torah specifically picks one mitzvah. One mitzvah in the whole Torah to do it. And uh, let's see the way he says it. And maybe that will answer this question. And this one mitzvah that only applies to men. Yeah, because he what he's saying, and we'll see this soon, is that this is meant to be a lesson for how we can overcome things in life. So the Torah wanted to teach us the lesson, and therefore this one mitzvah becomes the example of a general approach in life that we have to take. So we only need one mitzvah, and the Torah is going to pick a mitzvah which is rare and uh, and is never likely to happen and things but like the that. Applies to both. Because the lesson is meant for everyone. Uh, let's see how he says it. Um, let's read that again. When he comes to a conclusion, that had the Torah not permitted it, he would not take her. Now all of a sudden it becomes permitted meaning, he no longer becomes connected and bound to the other side. So if it would be prohibited, then the challenge would be so great, he wouldn't be able to overcome this inclination. And so that's why he's saying, that's why it's this mitzvah of all the mitzvahs, because this is the mitzvah, where if it would be prohibited, everyone would be doing it. If it would be prohibited for soldiers to take captive women in war, everyone would be doing it. Rakata, now that the Torah permitted it, now nobody's doing it. Menekel becomes so easy. Menekel Yosef to say to himself, Shimhayasura Yasura, Aloha Yanosa. And this is such a, again, another deep idea where he's saying, and this is such an important concept on its own, I'm going to give it a minute here. Basically, If you don't have an inclination for something, pick a sin in your head, not out loud, that you personally don't have a challenge for, but you know other people who do. And you say to yourself, if I was faced with that challenge, it would be easy for me to overcome it. But um, it's pretty much certain that if you would have had the background and the experiences and all the challenges of that person who does transgress, you would be as guilty or even more guilty of this transgression as anyone else. This is the problem with judging people, is that we always judge people because we think that their sins are the, are the bad sins, and, uh, that our sins are minor, and they're, they're, we have, we're justified in ours. But that guy's sins, and that's why we talk about, how could such a person do such a thing? Really? Well, what about the things that you do? Oh, minor, minor, they're just, uh, you know, a little bit of Lashon Hara, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Uh, we, uh, and, so he says that, that's actually what we're supposed to do to ourselves in this case. The soldier is supposed to say to himself, okay, it's permitted. If, I, if it was prohibited, would I do it? And you know it's so easy to say on something that's permitted that if it was prohibited, you wouldn't eat it? Mm-hmm. Or you wouldn't do it? So he says, this is the opportunity for the soldier to say, I'm only interested in your fast Torah because it's permitted but if it would be prohibited, I wouldn't do it. And then he could say to himself, well, then why are you doing it? And then he won't do it. Then, why is it, do we go on to say that if you marry this woman, which you know would be the end of the process, if it never happens, and she has a child, and then the whole... But thing then was- that child never happened either. And So all this is a process of what the Torah is describing to you and giving to you as an option. And you know the consequence is going to be that the child will be a Ben-Zorah And there never was a Ben-Zorah Even if there was, there's only been one in history, and that would be Avshalom, who would be the child whose parents didn't take him to court, and he ended up trying to kill his father. So... Um, the, you, 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 it didn't happen. It didn't happen, says the Tzfasem, because the Torah permitted it. And once the Torah permitted it, people say to themselves, oh, I'm only doing it because it's permitted, but if it was prohibited, I wouldn't do it. And then we say, well, then maybe I shouldn't do it. See, he says, He says, this applies in every moment of your life, every choice that you're making. I'm going to use an example, it's a funny one in compared to your fast but I think it it brings out the same point. Let's say overeating. If you come somewhere and there is food for you, there's so much food, there's so much leftovers. You don't have the same desire to run and eat as much food as when there's a certain amount of food and there's a panic of people running to eat food. <laughs> And if there's plenty if there, it's because when you think to yourself I have a choice whether I can take it or not so he says at the following say to yourself when you have a certain amount of food and you don't want to eat too much food because eating too much is against what the Torah wants you say to yourself if there would be a prohibition against eating too much food would I eat more or would I stop here I would stop here, if there was a prohibition. If the Torah would say you can only eat one bagel a day. So, I would, Jews would only eat one bagel a day. So, does the Torah want me to eat a fifth bagel? Oh. I the, bagel? <laughs> <coughs> the Torah doesn't want me to eat too much. And he says that becomes a process of checking ourselves on everything. You don't get stuck in even permitted things. You say to yourself, Hashem wouldn't want me to do these things. I wouldn't do it. Which means, he's saying like this, the Torah didn't put limits on how much you should eat. Because the Torah wanted you to figure out how much you should eat. That's the Yefas Toar. Excuse the comparison. I'm just using food. But the same thing is true of everything in life. Everything that's a matter of roshus, the Torah says you could do it if you want to. Now it becomes within the parish of uh, of Yifas Toar saying now that it's permitted to me. So I'm not battling any evil inclination. I have the choice. I could do it or I cannot do it. Now what is the appropriate thing to do? So why not apply this to all the other uh, prohibitions? Why just this particular Well, as just saying we only need it by one mitzvah because the Torah does need to prohibit things. Okay, let's turn to page 90. Okay. There's a very troubling statement that our sages say, that has caused, has been a very bothersome to some people, and has caused the Jewish people actually quite a bit of trouble. This was not a major issue until about the 13th century, when the Christians read the Talmud for the first time. Imagine it took um, 800 years before one of them opened a volume of Gemara, although... It you know this a converted Jew, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, who uh, who then went to the Pope and said to the Pope, "Look what it says in the Gemara. One of the most troubling statements is a Gemara that says, um, Atem keruim Adam, velohem Adam. You are called Adam. You are called man, and they are not called man.' Meaning." from the simple understanding, is how you would read it, that uh, um, non-Jews are not humans, which is, of course, a mistranslation, we'll see. But um, this was brought up in, uh, um, for example, in the the, uh, Bayless trial, which was the last blood libel in the Soviet Union at the beginning of the 20th century. So the priests presented this as a proof that the Jews consider the Gentiles to be like um, animals, and therefore the killing of, of Gentiles would be something we would do, chas and they had to send to the chazanish in Bnei Brak, for him to, which he did, he wrote a whole letter, he penned a whole letter, explaining the true meaning of that gemar. The sfat within the next piece, is going to give us a very fascinating take on this Gemara. So he starts off, if you see the bottom left of page 90, Beposik, Zachar es <laughs> Asher Asa Hashem Elokacha Miriam," you see he writes everything in in, uh, in short uh, hand, says, So his question is such a basic one that everyone should have asked this question. Why does it say, remember what Hashem did to you to Miriam, Baderach Betzeischem Mimitzrayim. What does that mean? Were we leaving Egypt at that time? No. no. We were pretty far from Egypt. It was in the wilderness. But then everything that happened during those 40 years is So why does it say, remember what Hashem did to Maryam, imitzrayim. And he's going to take these three words and turn it into a whole um, concept. should have said yeah, or she didn't even have to give a place. Remember what Hashem did to Miriam. <laughs> <talli ha-kosu yitzis mitzrayim> the reason why the Torah connects this to Yisrael <laughs> bepeh. The power of the Jewish people is with the mouth. We have never been the world's greatest warriors. And we have never been the world's greatest wrestlers. And has there ever been a uh, Jew who has run a mile in under 10 seconds? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, ten, right? I'm sorry, uh, uh, ten, 100 meters and less than... Right, why would you do it if you can pay someone to do it for you? Yeah, uh, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> right? Well, that's... Uh, right? So, the, the Jewish people's power is in the mouth. And this comes from what our great-grandfather said, HaKol Kol Yaakov, Vayudayim Yideesam. When did we become the people of the mouth? So you should know, while we were in Egypt, we were unable to speak. 210 years. Even though at first we weren't in exile, but certainly during the 86 years, we didn't pray. Until, it says, the king of Egypt died, the Yamas Malach Mitzrayim, we groaned, and then we cried out. What's the next passage say? (laughs) Um, Moshe Moshe was shepherding the sheep. Hashem says, go save the Jewish people. What happened? Hashem was waiting. One year, 10 years, 50 years, 70 years. After 86 years of the intense slavery, we need to say 210 years in Egypt, the Jewish people finally prayed. So he says, (laughs) because when we left Egypt, we became the people of the mouth. The Kosovo, and it says, (laughs) I will give my sheep. Adam Atem, you are man. Darshu Chazala, the sages say, Atem Kruyan Adam, you are called man. Veha'inian, it means like this. Ki yisron ha Adam. You know what makes man so special above anything else in creation? Shumadaber, speech. All animals can do everything that we can do, except for talking. Umanig Atmo al and free will. Speech. And free will, mm-hmm. speech and choices, is what makes a human being. Now, are you considering thought as being a part of the process of speech? No, thought is connected to free will. Okay. Saying free will, the choices we make, because animals think too, but they don't have choice in the way that they think. Okay. So he's saying that speech and free will is what makes us human. So that's only true of a praise if you're using your free will for the good. So he says, if someone uses their free will to kill somebody, so they're exercising the power of their humanity for free will. Does that make them above an animal? Because they are exercising free will to murder someone. It makes them Makes because them lower than Animals, when they kill other animals, it's for food. Right, right. or some kind of defense. purpose. Yeah. So, so he says, free will is potentially what you can use to be a human above animals. So if your free will is focused on the true purpose, if you have guidelines for how you're meant to live your life and you live by them, then you are a human being in the purpose of human creation. But someone is wicked. They'd be better off if they couldn't speak. And they would be better off if they weren't given the choice to commit their treacheries. That's what it means when you left Egypt and I gave you the Torah. You now have speech and the free will and the guidelines on how to use that free will to be human. But if you don't have Torah, you can't exercise mm-hmm. your free will in the appropriate ways every time because you don't know what you're supposed to do. And therefore, you're not truly Adam. So, it's not talking about Gentiles? No, so he's saying anyone who doesn't have the Torah. Anyone who doesn't have the Torah might be acting like an Adam some of the time, but when they don't have guidelines and so they're doing whatever they're supposed to do, um, whatever they feel they want to do, but they don't have the Torah to guide them, at that point, they're not really Adam righteous Gentiles. Yeah, they might be considered... Um, other. You're making a, I mean, it, it seems like it's making a broad stroke of all non-Jews um, separating from Jews. Right, so he's saying it's not necessarily that they're doing something bad. and uh, And it doesn't mean that they're animals either. But there's something special, the purpose for why God made humans above all other creations, which is the free will. The free will to do what? So if you're not using it to serve God, then you are, of course, you're greater than any animal in terms of your ability capabilities. <laughs> We're not dehumanizing anyone, but you're not that purpose of what Adam was put into the world for. What about the Noahide laws? That, that's his question. So those who follow Noahides would be considered Adam, <coughs> right? He's so talking about the righteous gear. Well, no, Ger is a Jew, but, but someone, someone who is... No, but I mean like the... The righteous so Gentile. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyone who keeps the Noahide laws is following the direction that the Torah gave them, so then they would be Adam as well. He says, When the Jews left Egypt, they were given the power of speech, which is the most important tool that we have. As it says, Because a ger that's born... A ger that's nisgayer is like a child that's born. And what's the first mitzvah that a child has that he can consciously fulfill? It's the parent's obligation to teach their child Torah in the same way that it's his obligation to teach the ger Torah and it's God's obligation to teach the Jewish people Torah. But that only begins once the child can speak. As soon as the Jewish people could speak, God gave them the Torah. Now they had to guard their mouth and their tongue. And I'm going to say this quickly because we're technically out of time. To, to guard the tongue, we were given the Torah. And to guard our mouths, that's why we have the man, the perfect food. This is why Tzaras, which is this special form of leprosy, can only affect the Jew. Because now that we are the beings with speech and free will and the Torah inside us, our beings can't tolerate Lashon Hara. So we have an allergy. Tzaras is an allergy to Lashon Hara. You hear that? That's an incredible concept from the Sfas Emes. That's why Tzeras affects the Jewish people. But possibly the it's a gift for the good, someone who wants to be of a pure heart, to be protected from heaven. And this is why, that's why Miriam, when she speaks Lashon Hara, It was with leprosy. She was punished for her good. Which is a gift of mercy. The point that he's making is that, remember what happened to Miriam, where she received Tzaras, this Jewish allergy to Lashon Hara. Because it was, Because when you were leaving Egypt, Hashem created you anew and taught you Torah and specifically gave you the guidelines of how to use your mouth to choose well. And that's why Lashon Hara is so bad, because you're actually using that special instrument of your mouth to not choose well. And that's why it says, you just came out, you just became the Jewish people, your whole purpose right now is to use your speech properly, and she didn't, and that's what we have to remember every day. uh, Next week.